Welcome to Antelope Island State Park. I'm Hannah, your podcast host. The subject of today's episode is wildflowers. Beyond the rose bushes and herb gardens of the neighborhood exists a world of wildflowers, flourishing in landscapes uncultivated and unmanicured. We will explore which species grow on Antelope Island and how they succeed in the face of threats. If you're ready to leave the lawns and flower beds of your backyard in search of some wildflowers, Antelope Island isn't a bad spot to look. The island boasts blooms in multiple seasons, has a high level of species diversity, and relatively few invasive species, thanks to its isolation. I spoke with Trish Ackley, park naturalist, to learn more about the wildflowers that grow on Antelope Island. Before we got to the flowers, she quenched my curiosity about her job. She didn't always know she wanted to be a park naturalist, but connecting people to the natural world has long interested Trish. My childhood aspirations were varied. I was all across the board. I went from wanting to be a veterinarian uh, to be a forest ranger with the Forest Service until finally I landed on park ranger, not necessarily park naturalist, but I knew that I wanted to be outside and working with people and protecting the resources. Far from just a tour guide, naturalists like Trish have important messages to deliver and exciting stories to tell about the places we visit. My role as the park naturalist is to connect people, to form connections in people to the resource. So anybody can come out uh, and drive through the park or go for a hike or take a photo of uh, wildlife. But my job is to form a relationship between people, to tell the story so that they really connect with it and care about that resource and want to take care of it. With context from Trish and other dedicated professionals, our adventures in the wild can be more than just photo ops or a chance for some fresh air and exercise. With trail walks, stunning views, and regular wildlife sightings as routine perks of her workday, Trisha's job sounds like a ton of fun to me. Her favorite part, though, isn't any of that. The visitors, Trish insists, are what make being a naturalist worth it. My favorite part is seeing the awe in people. I see this stuff every day. I come to work every day and see the wildlife. I see the bison. I see the lake. I see the sunsets. But when I can share that with other people and make that connection, that is my favorite part. I love that. Trish can count on some of those oohs and ahs being attributed to the colorful blooms of wildflowers, which visitors to the island can expect to find practically year-round. The first batch of spring flowers tend to bloom in mid to late April, although climate variables do affect the timing. Temperature and moisture variations will make a big difference. If we have a long winter with a cool spring, the blooms will be a little bit later. If we have a quick warm-up in the spring, we'll see them earlier. It just depends on what's happening with the season. They really start to get colorful right now, uh, mid to late April, and we'll different wildflowers throughout the summer and fall. They're just going to take turns through the season. 
The first batch of spring flowers tend to bloom in mid to late April, although climate variables do affect the timing. Depending on where you are on the island, you can expect to find different species. I asked Trish to describe the diverse landscape of Antelope Island and how the various environments found there serve the beautiful wildflowers that grow. It's a really dry place. Uh, Antelope Island is, Utah is, but we're especially dry out here. We only see about 15 inches of precipitation over the course of the year, and we're surrounded by Great Salt Lake. So successful plants have to have deep roots, and they have to be able to retain moisture really well. They have to be able to survive in high saline soils because of that salt water. Uh, It's a pretty harsh environment out here. We have a very diverse landscape on the island, everything from dry, salty beaches um, to really lush canyons with freshwater springs. We have vast areas of flat grassy fields and we have rocky cliffs. So plants that thrive on the beach won't do as well in those canyons with a lot of water or on those cliffs. My next question for Trish was, which species of wildflowers are in bloom during spring on the island? She rattled off an eclectic list of names, many of which hinted at the shape or color of the given flower. Uh, In late spring, early summer, you can expect to see some skeleton plant, wallflower, yarrow, biscuit root, milk vetch, which is a really beautiful flower. If you come in later in the summer and into fall, you'll get a chance to see some other things. We just kind of take turns throughout the season. You may want to look these up as I describe them so that you can see pictures of the species as we talk about them. Skeleton plant can grow to a height of 15 inches and gets its name from its thin, bony-looking stems. Wallflower is a wildflower which blooms as early as March and as late as September, and its flowers can be light yellow to orange with a strong, spiced smell. Yarrow survives well in the desert given its resistance to drought, fire, and other disturbance. It has small white flowers and leaves resembling those of ferns. It has long been utilized for various medicinal benefits by indigenous communities, and was even used during the Civil War for treating wounds. Biscuit root can have a large starchy taproot, which was once a staple food source for many indigenous communities in the West. Its flowers can be yellow to white, and the foliage is surprisingly green for a desert plant. Milk vetch thrives on rock ledges and canyon walls. With purple flowers, it contrasts with the reddish-brown pods of milk vetch, which is in the pea family. Although the threat of invasive species is limited by the remoteness of Antelope Island, non-native plants do pose a risk to the native wildflowers there. Including invasives, what are the threats to wildflower success? Soil compaction is one. Anytime you leave the trail or road, you're packing the soil down, which makes it hard for all plants to grow. And of course, the invasive plants, we have our share of those, and some of them are pretty hard to control. Aggressive invasive plants will crowd a space so that the native plants have a hard time competing in that area. Some of them, like the toad flax, can be really pretty, but when they take up the resources needed for native plants, they really become a problem. Butter and eggs, despite its conjuring delicious visions of breakfast, is a wildflower that Trish described as unwelcome on Antelope Island. Butter and eggs is invasive. We do have it on the island, too, so that's one that we are chasing. Dalmatian toadflax, as butter and eggs is also called, is an invasive plant endemic to the Mediterranean region. 
It was introduced to this country in the late 1800s or early 1900s, and can now be found in many places in the U.S. Toad flax poses a significant threat to native species in the West, crowding the natives out as it proliferates. It has deep tap roots, which make removal difficult, and allows toad flax to drain soil water resources, even in drier environments. On top of all that, toad flax produces many, many seeds, so its ability to reproduce fast gives it an aggressive edge over other species. Hound's tongue is an invasive and noxious weed found around Utah, but thankfully not on Antelope Island. It poses a threat on rangeland across the country given its toxicity to livestock. Invasives, like butter and eggs, are often prized for the beauty of their flowers, and many species are sold in nurseries. This fact underscores the importance of doing your research before getting plants for your home garden, as Trish suggests. And this seems crazy, but before planting new plants and flowers in your garden, do some research. Many of the invasive plants that we're struggling with are sold at nurseries. They are beautiful ground cover, but they quickly spread and suffocate native plants and flowers. Beyond using caution and choosing native plants when gardening, wildflower enthusiasts visiting Antelope Island can do a lot to limit the spread of invasives. Trish shared her tips for doing so, and described some ways in which people can inadvertently spread the seeds of non-native plants. First, stop spreading the seeds. You can do this by staying on the trails and the roads that are established. Some of these seeds are stickers or spikes, and the way they travel is that they stick to your shoes or your tires for miles and miles, and that's how they spread. Check your tires uh, on your bikes and your off-road vehicles. Check your shoes before you hike or go for a run. And stay on the trail when you're in your parks and wilderness areas so that you don't inadvertently trample any of their native plants. So folks who come out with horses need to bring certified weed-free feed for their horses also. And just because it's grown in Utah, that the feed or the hay doesn't mean that it's certified weed-free. It has to have that, that stamp. Uh, and if you're out on a trail and see something invasive or noxious growing, report it. There are few of us out here. We're doing the best that we can, but it really helps to have uh, more eyes on the ground to, to see these when it's early and we can take care of it. Call us or pop into the visitor center and let a ranger know so that we can get on top of it early. Picking bouquets of wildflowers during your hike may be tempting, but it damages the existing populations, making them more vulnerable to invasion from non-native plant species. If we are feeling inspired by the vivid colors of a wildflower-covered landscape, what can we do instead of taking some flowers home with us? We encourage photography. Uh, photography and art, sketching, uh, even with the camera that everyone has in their pocket on their cell phone, you can capture really great detailed images uh, with those cameras. Those photos will last forever. The flower that you pick will not make it back into town going to die and then no one else will be able to enjoy it. Um, so it's tempting to pick the flowers, but if everybody did, you wouldn't have any left. So take a photo, not a flower. Protecting native wildflowers from invasive species preserves more than a photo opportunity. As Trish explains, the wildflowers growing on Antelope Island provide food and habitat to other species on the island. Their role is a huge part in the whole system. They provide food for our wildlife and pollinators. They provide erosion control, which is really important in this harsh environment. 
without them, the island would be sand dunes and rocks. They provide homes uh, even for other small critters. Without wildflowers, the island would be a very different place. Uh, most of the wildflowers are used for food for our bison, uh, our pronghorn, and our bighorn sheep and deer. We also have rabbits, coyotes, birds, uh, and other critters that forage on the flowers and plants. That said, we have some flowers that are toxic when eaten, like the fiddle neck and the lupin. They're still useful for that erosion control and habitat that we talked about, um, but they're not edible. Pollinators, including bats, bees, and many bugs, are one group that relies on wildflowers for food. These species subsist on the protein-rich pollens or nectars found in flowers, but they provide an important service in return. Pollen can sometimes travel from flower to flower on wind or water, but pollinating species participate as vectors for pollen movement. Bees, butterflies, and other pollinators spread pollen in the process of collecting their daily meals. Antelope Island is known for bugs, and they can bite and sting and annoy humans in a lot of ways. They're so important in nature's balance. Uh, When they move from flower to flower, they're moving pollen or pollinating so that more flowers can be produced. This is sort of like fertilization, except for plants. Uh, Another type of important pollinator that has a bad reputation (laughs) are bats. Uh, we, We love our bats. Bats are... Uh, after the nectar also from the night-blooming plants, and they pollinate when they move from flower to flower. So we need to take good care of our bats and our bugs. Without the various vectors at play in nature, pollen would have a hard time moving between the male and female parts of flowers, which is essential to the growth of seeds and fruits. I asked Trish how we can help pollinating species to play their critical role in plant fertilization for years to come. Lastly, just take care of your pollinators. Control pests with natural solutions that are available or that you can make so that uh, they're not harmful to bees and other pollinators. One of the rarer pollinating species on Antelope Island is Townsend's big-eared bat. The species is found below 9,000 feet of elevation all across Utah, roosting and hibernating in caves or abandoned structures. Perhaps because of a lack of roosting sites like these, their numbers are dropping. Thankfully, there are steps that we can take in our own backyards to create bat habitat. Um, Consider placing bat boxes on your property. Bats are very important and uh, very misunderstood. They're they're critical. So if we take care of them, uh, they'll keep our flowers blooming and help with those pesky mosquitoes. Bat boxes, or houses, are exactly what they sound like. Small wooden boxes mounted on the sides of homes or on freestanding poles. They may not look like much, but the simple houses provide a safe, warm, and cozy spot for a colony of bats to sleep at night. Given that bat species are losing habitat not just in Utah, but globally, putting up a bat box is a great idea. From bats to bison, bighorn to bees, a lot of life on Antelope Island enjoys the beauty and bounty of wildflowers other than us. Therefore, it is imperative that we respect and protect wildflowers and their habitat. To Trish, this directive is not only part of her job. Like many of us, she considers wildflowers a beautiful sight to behold, even more so, she says, when spotted blooming in the dry desert. I asked her to describe this, her favorite wildflower. It's one that grows here. It's called evening primrose, and it grows on our dry, salty beach. Uh, it's, it's a really delicate 
beautiful flower. Um, whenever I see it, I'm always surprised because it doesn't seem like it belongs there. So I'm my first reaction is always like, what are you doing here? Oh, yeah, evening primrose. If Trisha's stories of inspiring awe in park visitors and witnessing wildflower blooms firsthand has you itching for a career move, she has some advice. My advice is to get involved. Uh, volunteer at parks that you want to work at. Um, volunteer for the department or division that you want to work for. Learn as much as you can about what they do, why they do it. Make friends, meet people who already work in that sector, uh, and just stay involved. If an opening comes up, because they don't very often, you want to be the person that those people think about. Uh, So get involved, volunteer, do internships, just stay involved. If you're planning to visit the park soon, remember that the summer temperatures mean more gnats in the park, so dress accordingly. Also, it is important to avoid visiting the park if you are feeling sick, and to practice social distancing even when out hiking and enjoying nature. As always, keep your distance from wildlife. Pack out whatever you pack in, and check weather conditions before venturing out. Be sure to check out our website for current conditions and information on upcoming events. Find us at antelopeisland.utah.gov, on Facebook at Antelope Island SP, on Instagram at Antelope Island State Park, on Twitter at Antelope SP, and on YouTube at Antelope Island State Park. Also, if you have questions or suggestions for future shows, we'd love to hear from you send an email to antelopeisland at utah.gov. This episode was created by me, Hannah Taub, under the direction of Trish Ackley at Antelope Island State Park. The episode was recorded and mixed by Mike Connaughton. Special thanks to Trish for the interview. Join us next time for further exploration of the pollinators on Antelope Island.